I just want to remind you that you don't need retreat to have these amazing encounters with God. We're praying this morning that God would move in a powerful and meaningful way because we are in the middle of meaningful relationships. This incredible series that has uh, Elizabeth has already said today, it's not hard. It's just challenging. All right. It's not, it's not difficult. It's just going to be a little bit of work, but it is so, so good. I don't know how many of you did uh, go home last week and complete that survey. Uh, but it is important for us to look at our own lives and say, okay, God, where am I at right now? And where do you want to take me? The beautiful thing about following Jesus is that not a single one of us are where God intends us to be. That's the beautiful thing about Christianity is that the cool thing is, is that this journey is ever moving forward. This morning, my prayer is that God would speak something new, whether you've been serving God for two weeks or for 30 years. That this morning, that the Holy Spirit would lead you deeper into relationship with Him to remind you that He knows where you are, where you are, but He also has a plan for where you're going. And so last week, we talked about how even our own emotional health is important when it comes to building relationships with others and building relationships with Christ. We dove into the story of Saul and how God had anointed him king of Israel. But in that anointing, there was a requirement of God that he follow after his ways and that he lead the kingdom in the way in which God wanted it to go. And, and Saul, he, he continued to bow to this pressure from other people around him. And so instead of looking to God, he looked to those in the armies. He looked to those uh, in those relationships around him to receive the praise that he thought he was due. And we challenged each person to remember that all praise goes to God, to him and to him alone. And that when it comes to our own emotional health, that God can actually take us from where we are to where he intends us to go. And so it is important for me to remind you once again that we are partnering uh, over these next three remaining weeks with a book called Emotional Healthy Spirituality by Peter and Jerry Scazzaro. And so you can pick that up on Amazon if you want to go deeper into this study. Uh, and there's also going to be uh, just uh, a website that we'll refer you to. Uh, emotionallyhealthy.org uh, that you can go in and there's different assessments and workbooks and uh, life group resources and all sorts of different things that you can pick up there because it's important for us as Kanata Life Center that we remember that disciples of Christ who are resilient cultivate meaningful relationships with other followers of Jesus that they desire to be around and become like themselves. Now, this is why this partnership is so important because we could spend the next month showing how important our gendered and different stages of life and diversity and intergenerational relationships are for us to following Jesus. But if we don't address the critical issue that we highlighted last week that we will continue to highlight, then we will not make any progress. And here is the issue. We have defined spiritual maturity by disconnecting it from our emotional maturity. We have defined spiritual maturity by disconnecting it from emotional maturity. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Mitch? Well, last week we challenged that sometimes we can make excuses for different things. We can call our own faults as though it were praise unto God, where we you know it's not just gossip, we're, we're encouraging other people through our words. And 
and different things like that. And if you missed last week's message, I encourage you to go back this week and listen to it. Because this morning, we're not just going to talk about us personally, but we're going to talk about our families as a unit. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So if you have your notebooks, take them out. If you have your phones, get ready to take some notes because each and every one of us this morning has a family of origin. And none of us sitting here today, standing here today, come from perfect ones or are creating perfect family units. When we follow Christ, we also need to understand that we belong to the bigger family of God. Amen? Now, my family is incredible. I've talked to you a little bit. Every single week, I just, uh, especially since I still feel so new, just let you guys in a little bit more and a little bit more. So my dad is from Shawville, Quebec. Whoop, whoop. There you go. Shout out Shawville. And uh, my mom is from a little town called Gracefield, Quebec. Uh, both, yeah, there you go. Thank you. All right. And so both of them come from small towns. Like literally it was mom, her family, and like three other families, and that was it. And then a bunch of cows that like, I don't know, you just welcome them as like aunts and uncles, right? Because there's just, there's not a lot of people there. And then in uh, in Shawville, known for its amazing fair, uh, my dad grew up in, in this little tiny house uh, across the street from like three farms. And And uh, my parents are incredible people. Let me just say that off the start. And for all the young people in this room today, all of those who are youth, or if you're junior high and you didn't go hang out with the junior highs today, I just want to let you know that your parents are wonderful people. Amazing people. Right? And I see some parents slapping, like, yeah, did you hear what he said? That's right. That's right. And so you need to, because it's hard sometimes to understand that as a parent myself, it can be difficult to know if you're doing a good job or not. And sometimes, whoo! Kids say the harshest things, right? Wow, they just cut you deep. And uh, I remember having those conversations with my dad at one point, and he spoke these words to me that I'll never forget. Just wait until you have kids. Now, at the time, I was like, yeah, sure, Dad, like, you're old, right? You're like 15, 16 years old. The idea of having kids is like, that's something that old people do. Like, I may never get there. Like, that's so far, that's so far away. But I remember my dad saying that, remember, wait until you have kids. And I was like, well, when I have kids, I'm going to do it right, unlike you, Dad. And uh, one of the hard things to realize is that mm, you're not that smart. And uh, your parents do play a critical role in who you are today. They do. And so I've heard myself say things that I said I would never say. Right? One of the classics, right? When my kids start telling me about how difficult their day was or how, you know, they're not sure if they can go to school today. And I immediately go to that, that, that super powerful, rich, deep proverb of when I was your age. I walked to school in 30 inches of snow, uphill, both ways. And the kids are looking at me, right? And I remember, I've literally said that. And I, as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, am I my father? Am I said I would never, like, I don't want to be the dad who makes the lame jokes, but I am. My dad is, is a fantastic uh, person when it comes to confidence, not so great when it comes to dance moves, and his confidence and lack of dance moves, he just gives it anyway. Same, right? Same, like my kids literally as they walked in today, today, today I did what my dad would do to me. They walked in and I danced from the office to them as they walked in, and I heard Sawyer say, please don't. 
And I remember saying that to my dad, dad, please. And so there is this, this, this crazy, like we, we have to understand that our families do matter and they do have an impact on our lives. My parents are amazing. My family is incredible, but there are things in my life that I have to be aware that they're there because of the family unit that I was raised in. There are other things that exist in, in my family that, that are, are not so funny. They're not so easy to share. But they're there. And it's important for us this morning to not ignore that they're there. Because God is not afraid of our issues. Amen? God is not afraid of our issues. And so I want to encourage each and every person today, as I'm making light of my own uh, family matters, some of yours may also not be so light. And I want to encourage you today that God's intention is for family to be healthy, to be robust, and for him to be at the center. Unfortunately, that is not always the case. We serve the God of free will. And so if you're here this morning and some of these, these matters that we deal with, they just cut straight to the heart. I want to encourage you that God is there with you. He lives in your heart. The Bible tells us that he knocks at the door of our heart waiting to come in. And so today, do not shy away from the things that have happened to you. Do not uh, bury them under the rug, but instead prevent, present them holy and broken to God. Because I believe that this morning and this week, God wants to bring healing to some of our family man. Family man. <laughs> Tried to fix it, still messed it up. Okay, family matters. I believe that God wants to step in. And that God wants to make holy in that place where you and he are connected. And not just for us, but for that generation following us. Come on. For that generation following us too. Young people, 70 years of age and below, right? Because we live for eternity, so, right, 70 years, you're good. Like, you got tens of thousands. Let's just receive that today. Someone needs to write that down. I am young, right, in your 70-year-old self. Amen. I just want to remind you that as we are in this room, the adults of the room, everything that God is doing in our lives, everything that God is challenging us with this morning, even in our family members, is so that we can pass the baton and let that next generation know that through God, it will be different. It will be different. That one day, we'll stand and watch as a generation serves Jesus Christ. That's our prayer. But we don't want to just deal with our own personal family members because that's not the only family that God has given us. As we said already, when we follow Christ, we then belong to a bigger family, the family of God. And this family of God isn't just defined by history, but it's defined by a few changes. Number one is our independence in the family of God. We are all uniquely and wonderfully made. Turn to your person beside you and say, yeah, that's you. Turn to someone beside you and say, yeah, that's you. Uniquely and wonderfully made. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 7 and 16 says this. Now there are varieties of gifts in the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of acti activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would make it. 
that would not make it any less of a body part. The ear does not need the eye to hear. The ear needs the eye to see. Each and every one of us, unique stories from all around the city, some of us from all around the world, have been brought here under one roof. Why? Because God has a purpose for this family. That we would all bring our uniqueness, right, broken and shattered as it may be, together to serve and humbly come before God and say, okay, God, what would you ask of me that we can play out as a family? That we would see each and every gift active through the Holy Spirit in this place. Sharon Hode Miller says this, Paul's vision of the church as a body is a great metric for discerning when a member is being divisive. If an arm complains it is in pain, it is not dividing the body. But if an arm accuses a foot of not being part of the body because it is an arm, that is divisive. We are not called to all be the same, but to take our stories and humbly present them before God And then humbly stand before each other and say, can we go together? The other is our position in the family. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul isn't saying that difference is gone. There are still all of these things. What he is saying is that this is not how we identify. We do not identify through these things personally, but in our family, we identify as followers of Jesus Christ. First and foremost, period, close the book. We are followers of Christ. Amen? Amen? It is, it is a humbling thing to take those two things and put them together. Yes, we are all uniquely and wonderfully made, but we are all also called to serve through in one body. We are followers of Christ. He is the head. As teens and adults, we are, uh, as, as teens become adults and, and, and begin to interact in this family, there are elders in equality. It is important for us that biblical honor flows not one way, but both ways. And so, young people, we've already addressed you a little bit today. We're not done. We just want to let you know that you are welcome here and that your giftings are needed here. Not when you're 20, 23 years old, but now, right? That testimony from Aiden is so powerful. 17 years old, it stirs something in us, no matter how long you've been walking with God. And so all of this honor flows both ways, that we want to honor those who have been walking with God, who are, who are elders in our community, but we also want to honor those who are young and encourage them to continue to dive into their gifts for what it is that God has called us together for. These changes are, are hard, these, 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 these radical shifts in our understanding of who we are in our own biological family and then who we are called to be in the family of God and making sure that both things represent Christ. This week and next, we're going to look at two stories, the story of Joseph and the story of David. Today, family is often described as an emotional system of two to four generations who move through life together in different places and at different times. There's an interconnectedness between us and and our family's story. And when we look at the life of Joseph, it was the same. His biological family had issues, and he is being called and he is being challenged to be used by God in order to help the entire family of Israel. 
Joseph, as you dig into his story, he's a favorite son, the son of Jacob. You'll see that he was given a coat of many colors. He was honored by his father above the other, uh, the other brothers who become intensely jealous of Joseph. So jealous, in fact, that they sell him into slavery. As he's in slavery, Joseph is falsely accused of rape. He's forgotten in prison. But due to God's providence and Joseph's faithfulness to God, he arises to be the second most powerful person in Egypt. You can read this story in Genesis. We know that Joseph has gone through a lot. That his life hasn't been easy. But we also see as he's going through this journey that God is present and Joseph is faithful. And this is critical in order to embrace whatever your family of origin isn't, God perfectly is. Whatever your family of origin isn't, God perfectly is. Genesis 50, 15 to 21 says this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin. Because they did evil to you, and now please forgive the transgressions of the servant of God, of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. But his brothers also came, down, came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are, as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Verse 15. Hello? There we go. Verse 15 shows us a powerful family dynamic. Others, even those who love you and whom you love, might not accurately recognize where God is at work in your own life. Joseph, as we come to this verse in, in, in chapter 50, Joseph has been raised up to this position. He, he's been given visions by God and understanding from God of what it is that will come. And, and, and his brothers have been separated from him, and so they haven't been present as God has done all of this inner working in Joseph. They come to him and they're afraid because the last time that they saw him, they had thrown him in a pit, they had, they had sold him into slavery, and they had no idea what had gone on in his life until this point. They thought that Joseph, just like them, was in the exact same place. But God, but God. There will be times in your lives where as God moves miraculously in your life, as he heals those broken wounds, as he illuminates the areas that he wants to work in, that others will not understand. I remember when God stepped in my own life and, and just worked this absolute salvation miracle in my life, and my friends began to find out that I was going to Bible college, and they said, What? Mitchell Pitt is going to be a pastor. How? <laughs> what is going on? But they weren't there 
in the inner workings of my life. This wasn't just a decision that I was making. This was transformation that was taking place in our lives. See, God's desire for us is not to leave us in the pit, is not to leave us in that instance where we're sold into, into slavery and the hurt that Joseph must have felt, the abandonment that Joseph must have felt, the abuse that he must have experienced as he's sitting there and listening and powerless to what it was that was taking place. But God said, I know what you've been through, but I have a plan. And even though Joseph's brothers weren't present for that, they were about to participate in the blessing of what God had done in Joseph's life. Now that their father had died, Joseph's brothers mistakenly believe that Joseph is only treating them kindly because of their father Jacob. At the, store, at the beginning of the story, Joseph, he explains a vision to his family and their envy blurs. And Joseph, he, he, he isn't fully understanding what it is that God is trying to say to him. He gives them this vision of, uh, of these, these, these nations that will bow and, and this understand. Joseph communicates it to his brothers, but he, he, it wasn't for his brothers at the time. It was just for him. And Joseph comes off as not being humble in that moment, but, but being full of pride. His brothers don't understand it, and it's at this moment now that as Joseph receives this new vision of how God wants to move through the nation of Israel, how God wants to, them to store food, and, and even now their vision of Joseph is, is it's caught in the past. Joseph is connected to his family, but because of God, he is no longer a slave to what has happened before. Verse 17 invites us to ask the question of profound significance. Genesis 15, 17 says this, Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. Now please forgive the transgressions of your servant of the God of your father. Joseph wept and they spoke to him. But we have to ask ourselves today, what makes Joseph weep? What makes Joseph weep? In order to get what it was that they wanted from Joseph, his brothers tried to use deceit. Now, I don't know what they had heard about their father's past, but it's noted in the book of Genesis that in order to receive the blessing that Jacob sought, he started his family down a path of deceit. He tricked his father into giving the blessing that was supposed to be for his brother to himself. And so here we see that, that the transgressions of, and the things that, jo, that Jacob had lived, they are starting to be lived out through his sons as well. It's part of their family origin. The brothers only did what they had learned to do. Could this be why Joseph weeps? That he sees that he was also traveling down that place, but God had changed the trajectory of his life. God had met him in those moments. God had been faithful to him. We don't know. We don't know the significance exactly of why Joseph weeps, but as you read through the story, there's many different reasons why Joseph might have wept. These are his brothers. This is his family that he loves, and he sees them broken, and he doesn't want that for them. Last week, we had a, a, a family challenge where we stood up together and we prayed for each other. This week, I would like to encourage you to step into another moment of challenge. 
This week of vulnerability, I want to encourage each and every person this week, each and every family, each and every unit today, to let someone in. To let someone in. See, as God has called us together as the family of God, we want to encourage each person that God is going to do a miraculous work in your life, but it's not just for you. It's for those that God has surrounded us with. It's for those that don't know Christ yet. And so I want to encourage you, maybe today, why don't you invite a family in today? Ask someone, hey, maybe not this week, but next Sunday, do you want to come over for lunch? Do you want to come over and join us after church? Or maybe this week as you're passing a neighbor, why don't you invite them to, to share a meal with you or a co-worker, ask them to go out to coffee with you. Let people in. Sometimes in our, in our society, because we are all in these different stages of brokenness, we get into this habit of not letting people in, but God has not called us to walk this path alone. God has called us to be together. That as God is working transformation, that we would let the world, especially those who don't know Christ, let them see what God is doing. Invite them into the midst of the chaos. Let your kids hang off the chandeliers and just nod at those people across the table like, yeah, this is my life. Welcome. It's okay. Why? Because God is at work. God is at work. The freedom and, and, and the ability and, and, and the transformation that God wants to do. God's purpose for us is to not simply leave us where we are. To not bury us in our past. But instead, God wants to work in transformation. In my own life, I've seen this as I started at the beginning. My, my parents are absolutely incredible people, and I honor them today for everything that they tried to do to me, and I, I, I ask forgiveness for all the headaches that I caused them. But my grandfather is one of the only reasons that I even stand here today. See, my grandfather on my father's side, he, he and his family, they had a history of alcoholism. My grandfather was an alcoholic himself. He actually worked here in the city, in the city of Ottawa. A lot of the high-rise buildings downtown, my grandfather built those. I have pictures of my grandfather eating on his lunchbox, sitting like 60 feet in the air on a steel beam. No harness, because why? Back in the days where, you know, workplace safety was just, yep, like, it's just real. Him and his friends sitting there, and, and, and my grandfather was making an amazing wage at the time and, and something that should have been able to provide not just for himself, but, but for his family to be able to go to university and college. But because of my grandfather's addiction, he would come home on Friday nights and there was nothing left. My grandmother, also an incredible woman, she would hear my grandfather coming in, uh, in into the driveway and, and she would take the kids and put them in the back room and she would bar the door from my grandfather, not knowing what it was that was stepping back into their homes. I didn't understand this in my own life because the family that my father had created was so vastly different. I remember the first time my dad explained that to me, I said, Grandpa? What? I said, yes, son, that is the nature that our family began. That's, that was the reality of the life. But when my dad was 15 years old, a friend actually invited him and said, hey, do you want to come out to youth group? And my dad said there was really pretty girls there. So he said, sure. 
And my dad at this point, 15 years of age, growing up in Shawville, there's not a lot to do in the town. In fact, they would all meet at the one flashing light. That was like the place to hang out, right? Where are we going to meet? Let's go to the flashing light. And my dad said, literally at the light, there was just cars and teenagers all around. And so my dad was headed down that same path. These different addictions that have been present in my family were already present in his life at 15 years old. And this friend invited my dad out to, to youth group. And my dad went and he said it was super weird and he didn't know what was going on. But it was not so bad. He went back a second time. And the second time at youth group, he can't remember exactly what the pastor spoke because God bless very few people do. Um, but the moment that God stepped in to that, that place, my dad said that there was something that he just couldn't shake. So the pastor gave an opportunity to give their lives to Jesus. And my dad at 15 years old dedicated his life to Christ and he went home and he began to live a different life. He began to attend church on Sundays. He began to dig into what it was that Christ was leading him to. And as my dad got deeper in relationship with Jesus, my grandfather started to take note that something was different about his son. And a year into my dad's relationship with Christ, my grandfather gave his life to Jesus as well. And in that moment, the alcoholism was broken over my grandfather. His life was radically changed. There was a transformation in that moment that took place, not just for him, not just for my dad, but for me and my kids. The entire trajectory of our family was transformed because of Jesus Christ. That is the family that God has called us into. And for each of us today, I just want to encourage you that for some, there will be moments of immediate transformation. For others of us, there's a transformation journey that God has called us on. But we can stand firm on the promises of God that He is and He will. He is and He will. If there is something in your past, if there is something in your family, whether it be deceit like Jacob and like Joseph and his brothers or alcoholism that was present in my family, God can change and transform. He can and He will. Freedom is in the name of Jesus. Freedom is in the name of God. And so we see this. That God has began a powerful work in Joseph. And because of what God is doing in the life of Joseph, the family trajectory is changed. It is not the same. Genesis 50, 19-21 says this, But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Thank you, Jesus. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and the next generation and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. Number one, Life Center Canada, do not fear. Because we are not meant to be God. And maybe what is present in your family history, though it may have been meant by, by the enemy to play out in evil, God can turn it to good. 
God can bring testimony where there seems to be only darkness. God can bring freedom to where that next generation doesn't even understand fully what it was that you experienced, what it was that you walked through, what it was that your grandparents and your great-grandparents went through. Because when God steps in, everything changes. Joseph says, what you meant for evil, the deceit that was present in our family, God has changed it for good. Look at the position that he has placed me in, a position where I can then turn to my family and say, hey, I know what it was that we went through. I know what it was that you did to me. But God has something else planned. I don't want to be a slave to my past. And that is not to minimize the things that have been done to you, the things that are present in your family, but I want to let you know it's not the only family that you belong to. It is not the only story that God is writing for you. You are a part of the family of God. And here at Kanata Life Center, we believe in transformation. We believe in freedom. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the name of Jesus. We believe that hand in hand and arm in arm, that we can see chains be broken, that we can see past be healed, that we can see brand new purpose being played out in our midst to one day, just like Aiden, at 17 years old, there's a depth of understanding that can fall on us and say, I thought, but God, but God stepped in, transformed my understanding of the Holy Spirit. He transformed my understanding of of my experience. And it wasn't that it doesn't hurt. It wasn't that he's made it less. But I can see the light that he's calling us into. And for that next generation, I believe it can be different. I believe that our sons and our daughters do not have to play out the exact same story over and over and over again. No, that is the plan of the enemy, not the plan of our God. God doesn't condone, and he also doesn't cause the awful things which hurt us in our families. And God is never defined by the really good or the truly bad things from our families. The one who is greater than Joseph, Jesus taught us God is our perfected Heavenly Father. We are His interconnected and equal body. When it comes to our lives, our family of origin matters, but God matters more. Hallelujah. Joseph knew what it was to be loved and be favored. He also experienced what it was to be broken and then restored. Like Joseph, to become emotionally healthy, we too must honestly face the truths of our family origin while learning to trust in God's faithful work. And so we have to ask ourselves today, are others safe around you because you know you are you and not God? And can you see where others fall short and yet God still remains perfectly faithful?